Now there's a brand new web page, especially for this podcast. The Politocrat Daily Podcast can now be found on thepolitocrat.com. A brand new page that centralizes all of the places that you can listen to this podcast. The major platforms and many others at thepolitocrat.com. Lots of content that you can see there right now and every single day. So subscribe now to the Politocrat Daily Podcast and make sure you visit thepolitocrat.com. Thank you. Welcome to the Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Thursday, January the 7th, 2021. We are still sheltering uh, in place in in the capital. I don't want to say where exactly, but right. um, it, it is uh, still touch and go. Uh, my colleague, uh, Alex Bolton, is outside the capital, says there are still hundreds, hundreds of people, uh, protesters. You probably have a better vantage point than I do, uh, who are milling about outside the Capitol. Obviously, the Capitol building itself has already been breached. Uh, as you mentioned, the Senate chamber has been breached. Uh, it's possible the House chamber has been breached. And so, you know, it, it is it is just unbelievable. When I, when I started the day this morning, uh, you know, I informed family members that everything would be fine and, and that uh, the, the Capitol building itself was probably the most secure place in America and that there was no need for concern despite the, uh, the thousands of protesters outside that we were expecting. That was a reporter inside the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. yesterday speaking to Greta Browner of C-SPAN television during a coup attempt and an insurrection of violence by white men who committed a terrorist attack on the United States Capitol. On this episode of The Politocrat, Donald Trump's violence, white male violence, and the way it is dealt with or not dealt with. A look at stages in America and the contrast with when black people who do nothing are scrutinized and pay with their lives. This is an episode you really do not want to miss. Coming up next. They tried to disrupt our democracy. They failed. They failed. They failed to attempt to obstruct the Congress. This failed insurrection only underscores how crucial the task before us is for our republic. Our nation was founded precisely so that the free choice of the American people is what shapes our self-government and determines the destiny of our nation. 
not fear, not force, but the peaceful expression of the popular will. Now, we assemble this afternoon to count our citizens' votes and to formalize their choice of the next president. Now we're going to finish exactly what we started. We'll complete the process the right way by the book. We'll follow our precedents, our laws, and our Constitution to the letter. And we will certify the winner of the 2020 presidential election. Criminal behavior will never dominate the United States Congress. This institution is resilient. Our democratic republic is strong. The American people deserve nothing less. That was Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell yesterday coming back from recess after hours of terrorism in the Washington, D.C. U.S. Capitol building. A defiant-sounding Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who, by the way, has only a few more days left as a Majority Leader. Of course, as you know by now, John Ossoff and Reverend Raphael Warnock won their Senate races in Georgia on Tuesday night although John Ossoff's victory was not assented to until Wednesday afternoon by the Associated Press, who projected him as the winner in his race with David Perdue. But this may have been, for a few minutes, Mitch McConnell actually seeing the light and ridding himself of the violence of Donald Trump that he was so attached to. Just 11 months ago, and two days, Mitch McConnell had a sham trial that resulted in an acquittal of Donald J. Trump because he and 51 of his Republican colleagues voted to acquit Donald Trump of abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. It is principally because of that vote that we even had what we had yesterday in this country called the United States of America. Furthermore, these conditions even preceded that vote in the U.S. Senate last year to acquit Donald Trump of crimes against the country and the Constitution. I want to look at what happened yesterday, but in a different way. I, for one, was not shocked or surprised that there would be violence against the Capitol building or anywhere else in D.C. committed by these white, thuggish Donald Trump supporters. None of that surprised me at all. 
None of it even shocked me. Sure, it was disturbing to see how easy it was for these thugs, these terrorists to just waltz in to the Capitol and then desecrate it and smash windows. It was easy for them because the system supports them. And I quite frankly think that this was an inside job. There is no secret about the fact that there are more than a few, to say the very least, United States Capitol Police who are also Donald Trump supporters or voters or both. That is not a secret. It would not be at all beyond the realm of possibility. That somebody connected to Donald Trump contacted known Trump supporting U.S. Capitol Police and made it very clear that they wanted them to stand down. We know very clearly that around the country there are police officers who are Trump supporters who have been pictured in photographs on Facebook pages that they have or Instagram pages that they have or tweets that they put out that show them in a MAGA hat, that show them throwing up racist symbols, that show them displaying Confederate battle flags. We know that. So why would that suddenly not be the case with the U.S. Capitol Police? I didn't see the photo or video, but I know, according to a reporter on Twitter, that one of the Capitol Police, at least one of them, posed with one of these Trump terrorists and published that picture either on an Instagram page or some other social media page. You know very well that there's long been a history of infiltration of police departments, whether it's by racist groups, white racists, whether it's by no matter what. This has happened in the United States from year dot. My conversation with myself, quite frankly, is how do people really think that this happened yesterday? Four people ended up being killed. Four people died. One of them, a woman, shot dead. She died in the hospital, but it was shot inside the U.S. Capitol building, just outside. I believe it was just outside the house portion, or the, I forget which part. But it was really, literally very, very close by. 
to one of the chambers of Congress, whether it's the House or the Senate. Four people died. Donald Trump has blood on his hands of all four of those people. I really do find it hard to understand or believe that people are so shocked by this. If you are one of the people who is shocked by what happened, you have in every right, of course, to your feelings and your reactions. I am not telling you not to feel a certain way. And I am not telling you to deny your feelings. What I am saying is given the fact that just a year ago, just a year ago, if just a few more days over one year, that Donald Trump launched an attack killing one of the top, top people in the Iranian cabinet, Soleimani, the general, one of the top people in that cabinet, when there was no threat to Donald Trump or to the United States at large. How are people shocked by this? How are people shocked? When just three months ago, not even three months ago, there was an unveiled plot, a kidnapping and murder plot revealed against Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. How could you be so shocked about what happened yesterday? Were you shocked when that plot to kill, kidnap and kill Gretchen Whitmer, the Michigan governor, was unveiled? Did that shock you? How about when you saw the mock lynching of the Kentucky governor, Brashear, in effigy? When you saw that this past summer, or thereabouts. Did that shock you? How about when you saw police behaving the way they did and Donald Trump defending them, including defending the 17-year-old white male thug and terrorist? I'm not going to mention his name. You know who he is from Kenosha or in Kenosha. He's actually from the neighboring state in Illinois, I believe. How were you, were you shocked then when that guy killed two people and blew the arm off another with an AK, an assault rifle that he was not supposed to have, that he crossed state lines with? Were you shocked then? When Donald Trump supported him and when he spoke yesterday, Egging on these cult 
crony, crazy, terrorist, dangerously violent, racist people. These are people who do not believe in education because they don't have any and don't want any. The only education they have is their hatred, their racist ways. And they aren't giving those up. How could you really be shocked about what happened yesterday? This whole country's history is bathed in blood. What shocked you? It's a really dangerous thing when people say they are shocked by what they saw, but do not look at Gretchen Whitmer's kidnapping plot against her, but do not look sufficiently at situations where black people are terrorized daily. Do not appreciate or even think about the fact that when Ahmad Arbery was murdered, lynched in broad daylight, just jogging down his own street, that somehow that might have a ripple effect on black people like myself who jog. How traumatic that is. Why would you be shocked at what happened yesterday? When in 2015 and 2016, Donald Trump's rallies showed you the violence. Don't you remember that old white guy who sucker punched a black man who was just walking up the steps, minding his business? That was in Minneapolis, it was in Minnesota, where George Floyd was executed. Is that a Donald Trump rally where this white guy in his 60s or 70s takes a swing at a black man who's just walking up the steps and minding his business? Maybe he stuck up a finger or something. That's no reason to sucker punch somebody. Oh, but you're shocked at what happened yesterday. When that black woman at a rally, a Trump, a Trump rally was being pushed and jostled and spat at by these white men, these white males, were you shocked then? All of his rallies, so violent, always violence, always some threat to violence, Exhorting violence. I'll pay for your legal fees. Knock the crap out of them, will you? Why would you be surprised about what happened yesterday? When everything you've seen over these last four plus years have shown you who this guy is. Go back to 1989 and the Central Park situation. These are 
young kids. And he put an ad out in the newspaper talking about bring back the death penalty. Come on. You can't be shocked about yesterday. Can you really? The history of this very violent country we live in. Violence as American as apple pie. And I've got to hear people on television talking about this is not America. This is not who we are. I've got to hear politicians, some of them soon to be president, talking about this is not who we are. That is such a scary thing. That to me is scarier, quite frankly, than a lot of what I saw yesterday or as scary as it. Because of people who do not know their history are not only doomed to repeat it, they are doomed to face something really ugly in their face and very direct. And more than that, they will not know what hit them. Make no mistake, my friends, today's events did not happen spontaneously. The president who promoted conspiracy theories that motivated these thugs, the president who exhorted them to come to our nation's capital, egged them on. He hardly ever discourages violence and more often encourages it. This president bears a great deal of the blame. This mob was in good part President Trump's doing, incited by his words, his lies. This violence in good part, his responsibility, his everlasting shame. Today's events certainly, certainly would not have happened without him. Now, January 6th will go down as one of the darkest days in recent American history. A final warning to our nation about the consequences of a demagogic president, the people who enable him, the captive media that parrots his lies, and the people who follow him as he attempts to push America to the brink of ruin. As we reconvene tonight, let us remember in the end, all this mob has really accomplished is to delay our work by a few hours. We will resume our responsibilities now and we will finish our task tonight. The House and Senate chambers will be restored good as new and ready for legislating in short order. The counting of the electoral votes is our sacred duty. Democracy's roots in this nation are deep, they're strong, and they will not be undone, ever, by a group of thugs. Democracy will triumph, as it has for centuries. So to my fellow Americans, who were shocked and appalled by the images on their televisions today, and who are worried about the future of this country, let me speak to you directly. The divisions in our country clearly run deep, but we are a resilient, forward-looking and optimistic people. And we will begin the hard work 
of repairing this nation tonight because here in America, we do hard things. In America, we always overcome our challenges. Yield the floor. Welcome back. That was part of a speech by soon-to-be Majority Leader Chuck Schumer yesterday on the Senate floor. He was making it very clear who this violence is attributed to and who incited it. Donald Trump, of course, was the person, but he wasn't the only one. Not just the Republican senators either. All the Trump shenanigans in terms of his tweets and all, I'm not going to spend any energy on it. As far as I'm concerned, Twitter can ban him for life, and that's what they should do. He's too dangerous, too violent, and too desperate. And when you put all those things together with a white man who has power and is due to relinquish it in two weeks' time, in fact, just under two weeks, you have a powder keg of trouble. I want to get into this second stage. I was talking about stages in the opening. But I really want to talk about this second stage. The systemic aspect of this violence. Because whenever a white male commits violence in this country, quite frankly in the world, but in America, it is always systemic violence. I mean, you can make a case that if a black person commits a crime... That's systemic violence as well, but it's a product of the system. It's not necessarily something that is just some black person going buck wild. If people who are poor, and not every black person is poor, obviously, but people who are poor don't just commit crime for the thrill of it. They don't do that. They commit crime out of necessity. They need something. And I am not glorifying for one second crime by anybody. But what I am saying is that this really is a systemic issue. And when you've got white men, white males, sitting on the desk or sitting in the chair of the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, with their feet up on the table and taking her mail and posing for pictures with it. That is not only a white arrogance, a white male arrogance. It's also a misguided, pathetic, bottomless, and also misogynistic behavior. An emptiness in the soul of these white males who really do think that they are entitled to do what they did yesterday. But what's more than that, a system protected them. You saw the video. I've posted it on Twitter at the popcorn R-E-E-L. Trump thugs wandering and waltzing in to the Capitol building. They must have been told to be orderly. Because I think, again, that 
there were Trump-supporting U.S. Capitol Police who were told to stand down, and they were the ones who let these thugs and terrorists in. And you saw the result. There are some people on Twitter who magnificently captured all of this stuff. From the harrowing video to the harrowing photos to that video of the brother who was the U.S. Capitol Police officer, obviously not a Trump supporter, who is trying to back off these invading white male hordes, these terrorists. And he kept them at bay for something like two minutes before finally backup showed up. And I wanted to know, where the hell were the backup? Why did they take so long to support this brother? who somehow managed to keep these cops, well, to keep these criminals, these thugs, these terrorists away and at bay before he got reinforcements. And it makes me wonder, I mean, were these backup officers, were they at a Klan rally or a Klan meeting? Where were they? Why did they take so long? I mean, I'm looking at this video that a reporter posted on Twitter and I'm wondering, how long is it going to take for this guy to get back up? And I guess they removed their hoods in just enough time so that they could help this brother out. I tell you, if he were a white cop and those people advancing were black, he would have shot at least two of them already. Stages of white violence, it's systemic protection. Because you can't do this much damage to a Capitol building without some kind of wink, wink, nod, nod, assent to it all. It really makes it to me very clear. How can you not look at this. It's a system. And the system is the thing that preserves this kind of violence, this white male violence. And it is used as a justification, as terrorism, as privilege. That's what this is all about. This is really something else that people will have to wake up to in the United States. The systemic violence that allows police to murder black people with impunity who are just minding their own business versus the system that does not do a thing when white males riot, commit acts of violence, kill people and they get nothing I mean nothing happens to them oh no problem you know, yeah there were 52 arrests yesterday but my goodness me none of them got shot I'm not calling for them to shoot these supporters of this fool this racist misogynist, rapist. But what I am saying is that, my goodness me, you've got to really get involved in 
trying to get rid of this system that we have that upholds the white male violent way in all kinds of areas. And not just defense or domestic violence. I'm talking about all kinds of things. It's really a problem. And we have to start thinking about what we're going to do about it. Because we did have some It's, we've just had a, um, I don't even know where to get, go from there. I really don't. This is systemic. Miriam Carey was a mentally ill black woman who was driving her car and apparently it looked like it was going to be in a, hit in a barricade or something to try to get to the White House somehow. And she was shot down in a hail of bullets like Bonnie and Clyde. But not these militia folks. I mean, I know that the one woman was killed and three or four others were killed, but... You know, I just... Education is needed. You cannot allow for Miriam Carey to get shot to death, but these thugs, none of them get shot. Not that I'm approving of it, but none of them, nothing... Nothing happens. How is that possible? Especially after what happened to Miriam. Carrie. I just shake my head and scratch it and just try to figure out what is this world going to tell me today? As a black person, as a black man, what's this world going to tell me? Not about me, but about that world, whether it's a white world or whether it's whatever world it is. Trayvon Martin, George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor. All murdered, executed in their homes or on the street or police or white mobs, male mobs, put them down. Violent male thugs, not even mobs, they're thugs, terrorists, put her down. And um, it's just, I just don't even know anymore. My goodness me. But the difference in treatment between white life and black life I mean, it goes without saying. Black people unarmed get murdered. White people with guns or anything like that storm and and destroy parts of the U.S. Capitol building. Ah, no problem. You're you're not going to face any consequences for that. And that's the problem. When you have a system that always favors one group over another, always whites over many other groups. And that's just, that's just heinous.
the undersigned, Roy Blunt and Amy Klobuchar, tellers on the part of the Senate, Zoe Lofgren and Rodney Davis, tellers on the part of the House of Representatives, report the following as a result of the ascertainment and counting of the electoral vote for President and Vice President of the United States for the term beginning on the 20th day of January, 2021. The report we make is that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will be the president and the vice president according to the ballots that have been given to us. The whole number of electors appointed to vote for President of the United States is 538. Within that whole number, a majority is 270. The votes for President of the United States are as follows. Joseph R. Biden, Jr. of the state of Delaware has received 306 votes. Donald J. Trump of the state of Florida has received 232 votes. The whole number of electors appointed to vote for Vice President of the United States is 538. Within that whole number, a majority is 270. The votes for Vice President of the United States are as follows. Kamala D. Harris of the state of California has received 306 votes. Michael R. Pence of the state of Indiana has received 232 votes. The announcement of the state of the vote by the President of the Senate shall be deemed a sufficient declaration of the persons elected president and vice president of the United States, each for the term beginning on the 20th day of January, 2021, and shall be entered together with the list of the votes on the journals of the Senate and the House of Representatives. That was Senator Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota, followed by the president of the Senate for at least, what, nine more days or whatever it is now, 13 more days, Mike Pence. Both of them played the role in officiating, or I should say certifying the joint session count of the Electoral College votes in each of the 50 states. Of course, it was this activity and the objection to the state of Arizona being certified and counted That sparked everything, although it wasn't the only incident. There were others. And there you have that. But you know, this is um, I don't know. I mean, all I can tell you is that I was glad that when the early morning hours of this day came to see that this finally got certified Um, In the joint session, this is something that should only take about 40 minutes at the very most to do. But this took at least, well, took a lot longer than 40 minutes, I'll tell you that. I mean, that's just got to be something you've got to know. You know, you just have to know this. It's just really... 
I don't know. When you've got when you've got these things and you're just relieved that it's done, now you can just go and wait for the next thirteen days to pass by and you know, we'll have the swearing in of both Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. You know, that's what you look forward to next if you're someone who wants change, if you're someone who voted for it, that's what you look for next. In the meantime you've got lots of challenges and but the point is is that this is what life is. And when we hear about things that happen, it's just really evil. It's just evil. And we were registering objections to vote after somebody died. Four people died. Oh, we're going to just sit here and register objections. Well, I tell you something. Um... Objections are just another way to slow and delay the inevitable because obviously Joe Biden won the campaign, won the election. So what are you waiting for? It's really bizarre. But um, it's just, I don't know. <laughs> it's really a problem when people think that they um, see all the obstacles that they can clear can consecutively and um, easily. But my goodness, it's more than about obstacles, isn't it? All of this is. This was a, another coup attempt. It was. There are white people I know who have said, yeah, you know, I can see this coming. And then there are lots of people who don't say that, who can't see it. And like I said, it's as clear as the nose on your face. I just, I'm lost for words here right now. I really am. And probably the best way to really deal with that is stop talking for a bit. It was a bittersweet end to a long, long day. But we do know that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris prevailed. And that's all, I think, in the end that you take from the day like this. Although there are other things, too. You want to remember the um, four people who died. Um, It's just horrendous and evil. I really hope that in nine days or so, 13 days or so, Donald Trump slinks away, never, ever, ever to be heard from again. Although I do have a strong feeling that somehow we will hear from him again. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of the politocrat. I'm Omar Moore.